All right, turning your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. I think some of you folks have some faith in God. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Did you know that without faith, you can't please Him, right? Hebrews, chapter number 11. Hebrews, chapter number 11. I appreciate your prayers this week. I feel like the Lord has overloaded my wagon with things that I need to preach. I feel like I need about three days to preach. And now don't get, don't get worried this morning. Uh, we'll let you out on time. It's just that there's so much going on around us. You know, and uh, the world is changing so quickly. And life as we know it uh, has changed and probably will not go back to the way it once was. And the more I look outwardly, the more I look upwardly, which motivates me to look more inwardly. Amen? And as I look inwardly, it causes me to open up my Bible and begin to read it and meditate and study even more uh, for my own personal benefit, and then, of course, for yours as well. And the Lord brought my attention uh, to Hebrews 11 and verse number 7. And I know that I've been preaching in the book of Genesis uh, concerning Noah and the ark and the flood. But the Lord brought me to the attention in verse number 7 about something that went on here in Noah's life that I feel like I need to address here for you. And that is how that Noah prepared for the last days. And so I would like to entitle that message, Preparation for the Last Days. And would you say also really that Noah was preparing for Judgment Day? Preparing for Judgment Day? And so... I want you to read with me in Hebrews 11, verse 7. I'd like to study in just a few minutes this morning on the life of Noah, but boy, such critical thoughts and principles here about him and his relationship with God and what God did and what he did and then what they did, talking about those around him. And what we can, how can we apply this to East River and to our own personal lives? I think there's some tremendous truths here. And if we, I told the Lord I would not try to rush through this because you need more than information. You need inspiration, illumination. And I hope and pray that that will happen. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Now, this verse ends the way it starts. By faith. It says in verse 7, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. You start with the two words, by faith, and you end the verse with the two words, by faith. Throughout the scriptures, it is said that the just shall live by faith. Let's pray for just a moment. Father in heaven, I ask God that you'll bless your servant. And Lord, in spite of my weaknesses, I pray you'd manifest your strength. Lord, I pray you'd pour yourself through me. Lord, may I have liberty to preach. Lord, I pray God that you would touch not only our people here, but those who will be observing this service. Lord, I pray that uh, you'd limit the distractions both here and there. And may the Spirit of God work on the inside while I preach on the outside. We sure do love you. We thank you for your good word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I noticed here in verse number 7, I want to start first of all with the word communication. You'll notice it says, by faith Noah being warned of God. So there was some communication that took place before judgment day. There was communication, and what this reveals is God's nature and God's disposition of how that God in His nature warns men before He judges men. Now, that's an important principle, to know that God would come into your life and warn you before He will judge you. What a blessing that is. And so as we look at this about God's communication, it says He's being warned of God, being warned of God. Has God got a pattern of doing this before He um, uh, judges man? Because sometimes folks don't think God is fair. Sometimes they think He's unrighteous. Sometimes they think that He really is not love. And yet the Lord has a pattern of always sending a warning uh, before He judges. So keep this in mind. For Adam and Eve... Did you warn them? Did you know that God put a warning label on the tree? He put a warning label on the tree. And said, now all these trees out here you can eat of. He said, but right here, I'm warning you. If you eat of this tree, you will die. And so God warned them of judgment that would come. I think about Abraham when he heard that God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And he knew that Lot was down there in those cities, somebody kin to him, his nephew. He said, Lord, he said, and he asked the Lord this question. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And he knew the answer to that question. And so he begins to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah as God is going to send two witnesses down there, two angels, to look things over and to see if what they have heard is true. And then he, he implores the Lord. He says, Lord, I am but dust. He said, but would you spare this city if we could? And he gets him all the way down from 50 down to what? To 10. And the Lord said, if you can find 10 righteous people in this city, I will spare it that city for the righteous sake. But unfortunately, there were none. There, there were not ten. And so the Lord did judge that city. How about Pharaoh? Now you think about Pharaoh, you don't think that, why would God send him a warning? He was the most powerful man on the planet at that time. They had the most powerful nation, army, economy, and nation on the planet. And so the Lord sends Moses to him and gives him warning after warning after warning. And what does he do? Well, he just keeps hardening his heart against the warnings of God. And then you find that as a result of that, then God begins to harden his heart. Talking about Pharaoh's heart. So you think sometimes that at one of these days you're just going to, at your own will, your own uh you know, volition that you are just going to get right with God at your choosing. But you have to get right with God when God is knocking on your door. Because if He's not knocking on your door, 
that door may be closed and you can beat on that door, but you're not getting in that door. Amen? And so this is God again in his disposition to communicate with man and he even told them of all the things that happened in the land of Egypt and they were terrible. The things that happened were terrible, but the last one was the worst. And the Lord went up through Moses and said, Now look, if there is no blood on the doorpost, the firstborn in that household is going to die. And so would you say that was a warning? And it was those who received that warning and acted upon it that placed the blood upon their doorpost that were saved from the wrath of God. And it wasn't because the people inside those rooms were worthy. It was because of that blood that the Lord saw that spared them of the wrath of God. And I think about, again, the pattern of God. I think about Nineveh. I think about how that God knew that great city was worthy of judgment. It was a violent place. And the Lord said, you know what? Before I judge it, I'm going to send them a warning. And so he finds his servant, uh, Jonah, who was reluctant to go. And yet he finally got there and he preached the message, repent or perish. And the people responded in repentance and God spared them. And so you have what I'm trying to get you to see is the nature of God. I'm leading somewhere to this concerning where we are today. That God is very good about sending Uh, warnings uh, to us, you know, about what is going to take place and what's going to happen. You know, and the Lord's like that. That is His disposition. Honestly, that is God's good like that. You know, when we we talk about uh, warnings, though, I want you to see something here about uh, different, though, about Noah here. In verse number 7 says, it says, By faith, Noah being warned of God, but it says, Of things not seen as yet. Now, warnings today are all over the place. I mean, you can't really touch anything, go anywhere, buy anything, do anything without there not being some warnings. And even God is good enough to even send warnings through nature of what may be coming as far as the weather is concerned. And that is the Lord doing those things. I mean, we know that when there are certain things... Remember what Jesus said? He said, you know, can you not discern the face of the sky? And you know where we get one of the sayings from what Jesus said about that? That red sky at night is sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. And what that was is God sending a message to man that, hey, this is a signal of some good weather or some bad weather. And so the Lord is like that about, again, and I want to emphasize this, how God will send little things to warn you or let you know maybe what is around the bend or what is coming. Let me give you some examples of this. Maybe you've heard some of these. Have you ever heard this about uh, closed in the morning? It will be pouring. Do you know what that's in reference to? Did you know that's in reference to tulips? Did you know that tulips will close their petals in the evening, and if they do not open them by morning, it's because rain is on its way. Did you know that? Did you know clear moon, frost soon? You've heard that, haven't you? Have you ever opened, heard this one, open pine, weather's fine? And that is what pine cones do. 
God has sent warnings all throughout nature of what He's going to do. Pine cones are nature's hygrometers. They, pine cones, open their scales when it's dry, and when moisture is in the air and rain is coming, they will close. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Have you ever heard, when chimney smoke descends, nice weather ends? Did you know that if you have a campfire? Or if you have a chimney coming out of your smoke and it doesn't want to rise, it wants to stay, it wants to descend, it means that moisture is in the air and wet weather is coming. Again, a warning from the Lord in nature. You've heard a ring around the moon? All right, if you're sitting around a campfire and you see a ring of light surrounding the moon, snow or rain is coming. God's good like that. Now you, you say, well, that's no big deal. I turn on TV or look at my app. Listen, how about if you lived about 500 years ago? About 1,000 years ago. All right? And so, you know, you, you look out one day, there's a thunderstorm coming. Yeah, so big deal. They come and they go. But what if that thunderstorm is ahead of a major hurricane? You see, you don't really know sometimes what's on the horizon, but the Lord is good like that. I understand that during the tsunami that took place over in Asia, that elephants felt, and some of those animals felt that tremor, and they felt what was going on, and they sensed what was going on, and they started running inland before uh, the, uh, the the waves came and people perished. Now, back in those, back hundreds of years ago, people watched what animals would do. Concerning those things. I mean, if I see a bunch of blackbirds in the backyard gathered together or on the power lines, I know that there's a front coming through. I mean, I got enough sense to know that. And this thought, this was an interesting one. Cats. Now, I don't want to offend you if you're a cat lover, but there's really not a whole lot of good about a cat most of the time. <laughs> Allegedly. If cats wash behind their ears, sneeze, or snore, it means that it's about to rain. They just know. That's all. That's what it says here. They just know. How about crickets? Did you know that crickets, and if you're wondering about the temperature that's outside, you listen to the cricket by counting the number of times a cricket chirps. You can calculate the temperature outside in Fahrenheit. Count the number of times a cricket chirps over a 14-second period, then add 40 to that number, and boom, you've got the temperature around you. Did you know that? Did you know that God is good about sending warnings? And you know... As I was meditating on this, a lot of times when I get tired of reading, and I mean, you just try reading for hours. Just try it. I'll go outside and do something with my hands, get on my lawnmower, mow my, mow my grass. I really enjoy that. It's therapeutic to me. And I noticed as I was thinking about this thing about warnings, I noticed that as I got on my, I have a, I have a John Deere riding lawnmower. And as I was mowing the grass, I glanced down and right there where my feet were, there were all kinds of warning signs. And I looked down there and it had an orange warning and it had a red warning. Well, I didn't realize it was so dangerous for me to be cutting my grass on my lawnmower. But I looked at it and it says, drive up and down slopes, not across. Which means, now listen, the reason I'm telling you this is because Noah is going to be told something of which there is no history that it's based upon. All of our warnings 
are based upon something that has happened in the past and we've picked up a pattern and so we warn people about certain things. So obviously driving up and down slopes is a no-no because somebody, uh, because somebody obviously was trying to do something across that they shouldn't have and rolled over. All right? And it said remove objects that can be thrown by blades. Well, I would think that's common sense, but obviously somebody's running over something they shouldn't be. And then it said keep safety devices in place, such as shields or switches. Obviously, some men get tired of somebody telling them what to do, so they raise up the seat and they pull the switch because they don't want that thing going dead. And so, as a result, they may roll over and the engine doesn't go dead and somebody gets hurt. That's what they have to try to make it dummy-proof and foolproof. But when I got to the red, and it said danger, it said this, rotating blades cut off arms and hands and feet, which means at some point in the past, somebody stuck their hand in a rotating blade on a lawnmower and lost their hand. And so they said, you know what? We got to try to make this foolproof, dummy proof. So we got to write this on here. Don't put your hand underneath the lawnmower when the blades are on. Don't stick your foot in it. Do you understand? People do not take some warnings seriously. And they do not believe that it applies to them. It applies to idiots. Then you're not one of those that you can work around any safety switch, you can work around any warning and get what you want done without it it, it affecting you. Does that sound like what people are doing today when it comes to the things of the Lord? You know, I think about even after I had my my heart attack several years ago and they they sent me back home with about five different medications. I don't like taking medication. I'm just being honest with you. I'll take what I have to, but I don't, I'm not going to take everything they want me to. I'm just being honest with you. I hope my doctor doesn't see this message online. But when it comes to pharmacists, they sent me home with some, and it had several pages with it. Several pages. And in those pages were placed warning labels, I mean, of what it could do to me if I took this medication. I'll tell you what it did. It demotivated me from taking the medicine, some of it. And I think about all of these things that are going on around me, but Noah, look at Hebrews 11. And I'm not trying to make light of this. I'm trying to get you to see how many warnings there are around you. Just like when you go home today, you probably go in that direction. If you go toward New Caney, you're going to approach a, a, uh, a railroad track. And so they'll put a sign up that shows railroad track, you probably don't even notice it anymore. You've seen it so many times. And then you get up there and they've got this crossbar that comes down. And then when the crossbar comes down and the flashing lights come on, you probably still get up as close as you can if there's nobody in front of you. You probably get up as close as you can so you can look down the track to see if there really is a train coming so you can go on with your business. We run through tremendous amount of warnings without even thinking about it, then somebody wants to sue somebody when something does happen. All right? And so when you think about that, I want you to look in Hebrews 11, verse 7. The Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, 
So God is telling Noah, son, now what's fixing to happen has never happened. There is no history of this. Now we're talking about almost, uh, what, probably about 1,600 to 1,800 years of history and there has never been anything like this that he's telling Noah is fixing to happen. Okay, so there is nothing to fall back on as far as these things are concerned. And so when I say that, I need you to realize here that God is very good about sending warnings. All right, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want you to notice with me here now in verse number 7, by faith Noah, by faith Noah, being warned of God. All right, being warned of God. So would you agree with me that there is some communication going on? All right, and so now Noah, the Bible says, begins to prepare So everybody has to make a choice. When you've been warned about something, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. And so the scripture says that by faith, this is how he responded. By faith, Noah. And if you took out the comma, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, it would say, by faith, Noah moved with fear, prepared an ark. So what is he doing? He is reacting to the warning that God has sent to him. All right? So, what do you do? So let's look at the preparation that is taking place here. I want you to notice Noah and his disposition. And the Bible says specifically about Noah that he was a just man. A just man. Perfect in his generations, which means upright in his generations, meaning that he did his very best to obey the Lord and to walk uprightly and to do that which was pleasing to God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he walked with the Lord. He walked with the Lord, and you can only do that if you agree with him. And so he walked how? You can only walk with God by faith. By faith. And so Noah made some decisions, and there are two key words here. And the One is faith, and the other one is fear. I believe that Noah had faith in the goodness of God and his promises. And I believe that he feared in the severity of God and his wrath. When we talk about fear, we're not talking about being in terror here. We're talking about his, uh, you might say, standing in awe of God and reverence of God and great respect for God. Do you fear the Lord? Do you have any faith in God that he's real? And that he means what he says. I mean, you got to think about it. God's fixing to ask him to do something that nobody's ever done before. Can you imagine if the Lord were to come to you and tell you to begin to build a boat that's like a barge? That's a football field long and a half, three stories high. Can you imagine what it would be like if there was really no port for you to Build this at, and, and, and he's telling you that a flood's coming, that rain is coming, and this has never happened before. Can you imagine the ridicule that this man is even going to face when he begins to tell his sons and his, and his daughter-in-laws and his wife that this is the path that God wants us to go and we're going to walk in it and I'm going to commit myself to this. So he's making a decision. And I want to say this about our day in which we live. Faith will sometimes at some point require that we believe what is said by the Lord. 
over what we can see that is going on or what we have seen in the past or what we feel in our hearts or what we understand in our minds. That's what faith will require of us, of things not seen as of yet. Now Noah lived to be 950 years old. And so when you think about Noah committing himself to 100, 120 years of building this barge, this boat, this ark, you say, well, Brother Roger, you know, that's a long time to be working on a project. But I want you to think about it instead of you thinking about this, and and sometimes you can't relate to somebody that lives to be 950 years. I mean, you just can't hardly relate to that. If somebody lives to be 95, we can't hardly relate to that. But what I can tell you is how you can relate to him is the percentage of his life that he spent working on this. And he spent about 20% of his life, years, working on this. If you live to be 75, that would be about 15 years of your life that you gave to this project. The rest of the time, he was simply living his life. He had wife, he had children. And so I'm saying that I mean, I'm thinking about, man, for the past 40 years, I've been trying to get ready. Honestly, for the past 40 years, I've been trying to get ready for the coming of the Lord, trying to do what is right in His sight. But here you see that He simply lived life justly, uprightly, in agreement with God, willing to face the ridicules of those around Him, believing that something was coming that no one believed was coming, and willing to stand for God and do what was right. The Bible calls Him a preacher of righteousness. And so he was a man that was, by the way, just building something like that, would not, would that, wouldn't that be better than even giving somebody a track? Because they'd be coming by and say, what in the world are you doing? And then there would be an opportunity for him to tell them about God sending a warning of judgment to come. Do you think that they received that? Or do you think that they mocked at him and laughed at him? Well, according to Enoch, in those days, man, they scoffed and they mocked and they ridiculed and they made fun of him during these times. Could you commit yourself to serve the Lord? If your family thought you were just a little weird for believing the Bible, above all of the experts that are around you today, do people think you're a little strange when you are truly a Bible believer and follower? The scripture says that if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. And so I see in this passage in verse number 7, I see by faith Noah being warned of God. There I see communication. I see communication. I see God sending some warnings. I see God sending some warnings. And then it says, that he was moved with fear. There I see him making preparation based upon what God has told him is about to happen. And now listen, we'll make an application to this. If I don't get time to do it this morning, we'll do it tonight. But I want you to see here in verse number 5, I'll make some application this morning because we know not what a day may bring forth. But you'll see here that his response and preparation brought salvation to his family. The Bible says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the what? 
to the saving of his house. Now that word saving means to be delivered from. Okay? In other words, it didn't mean that all of his children or even his daughter-in-laws all had a great relationship with God. It just simply means he saved them for that moment from a physical death from the flood. That's what that means. He saved them from the physical judgment of God that was coming upon the earth. But I think there's a serious principle here. He is saving them from the floodwaters of what we know to be the wrath of God physically. Now the Bible is writing this down for us today that we might learn from this. Do you love your family? I mean, when you're getting ready for a hurricane and they're telling you it's a Category 5 and you do everything that you possibly can to nail down everything, board everything up, try to get it on high ground, try to get enough gasoline for this and that, go get in line to get enough for your generator or buy up some this and that. All of that, it matters to you. But when the storm hits, yes, you're concerned that a tree fall on your house. Yes, you're concerned that your animals make it through the storm. But up there on number one on the list, it's going to be whether or not did your family make it through it. Now, it's a blessing if you could gather them all around you. We've been through a lot of hurricanes around here. It's a blessing when we can have all of us together, but most of us can't do that if your families are grown and have their own children and their own homes to protect. And so when the power goes off around here and when the storms hit, for example, during uh, Hurricane Ike, when it came through here, and there were uh, a, a family that was staying with us because they felt like our house was in a safe place and it was a safe house. And uh, my house wound up being the most damaged in the neighborhood just about because two trees fell on the house during that one-on-one end. And one on there, but what, what I'm saying is Cindy and I, are, we're, 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 we're dressed, but we're laying down and resting about 2 o'clock in the morning. It's dark. The wind is blowing like crazy. It's storm. It's dark outside. And boom, man, we hear a crash. And man, we hear water pouring in the, in the house, in the bathroom there next to our bedroom. And then the power goes off. Man, I'm thinking about all the, the, the damage that's going on, but that wasn't my primary concern. My primary concern was, how was Rachel and Kenny doing with Gavin and, with Gavin? How was, uh, how was Crystal and her kids doing? My main concern was my family. Because you can repair a roof. You can replace a bathroom. And I think Noah understood that the greatest, the greatest assets that he had was his family. Do you understand? Was his wife and his sons. And the Bible says here that he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. His house. Let me ask you a question. Many of you know what's going on around here in America. You can see things that are happening. Do you ever have any of those conversations with your sons or your daughters that we are in the last of the last days, that things cannot continue as they are? Is the Lord Jesus Christ's words coming true that he has sent us warnings that the judgment of God is not far away? Did he not tell us in his own word that in the last of the last days that it would be dangerous, violent times, be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, 
in diverse places. Earthquakes increasing and then earthquakes spreading throughout the earth, places where there have not been earthquakes. You can check that out. Just Google it. You'll see that they have increased and there are places where they've never had earthquakes. And he also told us one of the greatest signs of of what was going to come to pass and of him coming and what is going to happen is the restoration of the nation of Israel. And some of you think nothing about the Jew. You think nothing about the nation of Israel. And yet because you have not listened to the warnings of the Son of God. You've got this, you've got something, you've got life, and God sent you a, a, a book that's got a whole lot of warning labels in it. And he said these things, he said when you begin to see some of these things, know that your redemption draweth nigh. Know that your redemption draweth nigh. When there are wars, when there's violence, and when there are earthquakes and famines and pestilences, i tell you the one that really helps me to see that we're so close. And listen, listen, preachers have been saying that for years, though, haven't they? I, I, can, I can see it in Noah's day, too. After about the 40th year, while he's working on that boat, he said, why are you doing this? Listen, the Lord's going to send his judgment. Man, you said that 20 years ago, and it hasn't happened. So now he's in the 60th year working on it. Same guy comes by and said, hey, man, you still working on that thing? Yes, because I believe what God said is coming to pass, and I'm preparing for what's coming, going to come to pass. And so they mock him, and they laugh at him, and tell him that he's a little loony. And then about the 80th year, he's still hammering away. Boat's getting bigger, getting complete. They come by and said, man, what are you doing this for? Maybe somebody brought their son or their grandson and said, hey, man, look at this crazy guy. And the little boy says, man, sir, why are you doing that? He said, son, he said, God is going to send his wrath upon this planet, and I am preparing an ark to save my family. Would you like to get on with us? And then Grandpa says, man, listen, he's been saying that stuff for 60, 70, 80 years. Son, don't listen to this fool. And so he drags that grandson off by the hand and said, well, we ain't, we ain't, we're not identifying with a fruit loop. And so this goes on and on. And as I see things beginning to, uh, listen, beginning to happen, because right about a week before God sent judgment, he sent a major sign to some of these knotheads that lived in those days. Man, those animals started coming to, to Noah's ark. It's amazing how that animals obey the Lord, but man won't. And so they began to gather around that ark. I don't know, but what maybe even some clouds began to gather on about that end of that week, something they had never seen before. I don't know what happened during that time. But I know this. I know that things cannot continue as they are in what's happening right now in this world and in America. You know what John saw? You ever read the book of Revelation? Did you know there's a promise to you if you would open up the book of Revelation and just read it? He said, when I read that, Brother Roger, I don't understand it. He said, read it. He said, if you'll read it, I'll bless you. Read the book of Revelation. But there's a warning label at the end of the book. He said, don't change anything in this book. Don't change a word. And so, as you read through the book of Revelation, you'll find that, man, there's some things there that are happening today that are happening quickly. 
I'll tell you one of the things that's disconcerting to me, not disconcerting, concerning, is, is how fast we're approaching a cashless society. A cashless society. Several of you have come to me and said, uh, there have been at least two or three church members that have come to me and said, Brother Roger, I went somewhere and tried to give people cash, and they refused it. Refused it. And it says on that, it says on that piece of paper you've got, legal tender. Legal. So what you're telling me that you can't take this is illegal for you to say that. You're breaking the law by not taking legal tender to pay my debts. Amen. But there is, a, there is a monster behind the scene that's working this. And he's called the beast in the book of Revelation. And uh, he has a number. Of course, we know that it's 666. And we know that he has something projected called the mark of the beast. And it's amazing to me, in order for him to be able to have somebody required to take a mark, there's two things that are going to be connected to that. One is going to be religion. Worship. And the other one is going to be money. A cashless society of where that you cannot buy or sell without it. And so as I see these things, you say, well, that's no big deal. I don't like dealing, having to deal with quarters and dimes and dollars and bills and all. You know, you need to, you need to understand that this is like if we know that there's a hurricane in the Gulf. Have you ever noticed how the sky begins to change when it gets closer? And you know that it's on the horizon. You know things are going to change. And even if you're in the middle of a hurricane and it gets quiet for a little while, you know what is what is happening is that you're in the eye of it and it's fixing to change directions. That happened to us when I came over. Is that it blew one tree on one of the house in one direction. And then the winds changed about an hour later, two hours later, and blew another tree from the other direction on the other end of the house. You say, well, God, just judging you. I know how some of you feel like stuff like that. Nah, I'm just kidding. You say, you, you may think it was a judgment of God, but I got a remodeled house out of it. I thought it was a blessing. Amen? And I'm just saying that sometimes uh, storms can be a blessing. But what we're looking at today scares me. When I talk about a cashless society, when I, every, occasionally I'll go play golf with uh, Brother Kenneth. And... Uh, and one time we were over at Indian Shores, which is out toward Crosby, out in that direction past Huffman. It's one of the cheapest places you can play. And there's a subdivision back there. And as we were making our way around one of those holes, uh, there was a uh, one of the holes. The, the, the cart path came right up against somebody's backyard, a nice house. And there was a white table, like a fish cleaning table, set up outside right next to the cart path. And so when we pulled up there, there was a little box of uh, golf balls and there was a little sign there and a kid, an entrepreneurial kid, went out in the woods and picked up a whole bunch of lost golf balls that Kenneth knocked in the trees <laughs> and shined them up, put them in that little box and, so, and was selling them back to the golfer for like a dollar a piece or something like that. And, and also some Gatorade or, or Cokes. And so he's sitting there as we drive by, and I look at that, you know, and I said, son, listen, I don't need your golf balls, and I don't need your water, and I don't need your Gatorade. I don't need anything you got, but I appreciate your attitude and your spirit. And I'm going to spend some money on you because of your attitude and your, atti- and your effort. 
And so I gave him some money. And he, of course, I, I kept the golf balls. And, but the thing about it is, without a, with a cashless society, that spirit will be destroyed. And a cashless society means they are going to control you and they're going to register everything that you do. And when they find out down the road that you may be owning a gun, all they have to do is block your, your, your ability to trade and buy and sell at the bank eventually. If they find out that maybe you have not taken the mark of the beast, you don't have that little mark on you where you can buy and sell, then all they have to do is shut you down where you, you are in trouble. Do you understand where this is going? This is where we are. You say, well, Brother Roger, you're scaring me. I wish I could scare you. The Bible says Noah was moved with fear. And you need to get ready and be prepared for these things that are coming. This common government that the world is crying out for. This COVID-19 has locked down nations around the world. Some of our missionaries are reporting that if they hold a service like we're having today, that they can be arrested and charged with attempted murder. for having a group to come together to worship and sing. Do you understand that even some of that's going on in California as far as singing is concerned? And the gathering together, but it's okay if you want to gather together by the thousands and protest against law and against order. Do you understand these are some of the signs that are around us? And I'm going to tell you something else you better watch out for, and that is that this anti-Christian legislation that is being passed quickly around the, the land of where that's... And here's what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. This book is going to be considered a book that is filled with hate speech. And if men stand up and simply read some of these things and proclaim what it says, they will be considered to violate the law through hate speech. If a man stands up and says, God's word says that he made male and female in the beginning, that marriage consists only of a man and a woman, and that adultery, bestiality, pedophilia, sodomy are an abomination in the eyes of the Lord, that is considered, my friend, to be intolerant. And hateful speech. So where are you going to do? Where are you going to be in these last days? Are you going to trust the Lord in these last days? So let me see again how he applied these things and what you see going on around you. But I want to end with this right now if I can for the sake of our visitors and for the sake of of closing this message this morning. Would you turn with me to John chapter number 3 please? John chapter number 3. One of the things that I did not mention that was in that passage, and I'll, I'll just say it for sake of time, is first of all, you had communication. Second of all, you had preparation. Thirdly, you had salvation. His family was delivered by that man's faith. Did you know that your faith can make a difference in the life of your family? Cornelius got his household together, and they heard the gospel. The Philippian jailer, he told, he got his family together. 
They responded to the gospel. Do you understand that you have an impact? There's people with you that are going to be impacted by your actions and your decisions. Look at John chapter 3. Now, he also mentioned not only the word communication, or I did, communication. He warned him. Preparation, that's in there. Salvation, that's in there. But the word condemnation is in there. Condemnation. Because it says when Noah did this, he actually condemned the world. You say, well, how can Noah condemn the world? Now, it doesn't mean that he's responsible for damning the world. But what Noah did was he removed all the excuses of everybody else that was on planet earth. He removed all excuses from everyone else. If somebody says, that cannot be done, and then somebody else does it, well, it's taking away all your excuses. Amen? Now listen, look at John chapter 3. Let me close with this thought because I need to unhook right here and we'll talk about some other things later. But look at this. Chapter 3, look with me here in verse number 16. Well, let's back up to verse 14 and listen carefully. Is God good enough? Is He kind enough? Is He gracious enough to warn man about what is coming down the road in his life? Well, there's a couple of roadblocks He puts up. If you die and go to hell, you will not stand before God and blame him of why you died without Jesus Christ and went to hell. You can say, well, I didn't know, or Lord, I, 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 Lord, I, 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 and you can say, well, there was, I just, Lord, there's too many religions, there's too many denominations, there's too much, on and on you, you go, but then somebody next door to you found God. You know why? Because they were looking for God, and you weren't. You're like a thief looking for a policeman, right? The Bible says here, look what he says in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, for our visitor's sake, this was an Old Testament story of where God sent serpents among the, the nation of Israel. It was biting them. They were dying. And, and, and Moses cried and interceded for mercy. And God said, take, uh, take a, a, a serpent, place it upon a pole, lift it up. And if anybody would look at that serpent upon that pole, that they would be delivered from the bite of that serpent. Simple, simple steps that required faith and obedience. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You have been bit by the serpent of sin. You have been sentenced to die. You are facing the wrath of God. And the Bible says that God sent a way for you to be delivered from the wrath of God, and that is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was lifted up upon a pole. You see that up there? That's a symbol of what Jesus was upon. The Bible says here in verse 15, He said that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. I do not want to perish. I do not want to face condemnation. And the Bible says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, Brother Roger, how can I know that unless I hear it? That is true. But what about the warning that God's already given you? How about, you say, well, you said God put up some roadblocks. He did. One of those is creation. 
You cannot observe creation without knowing there's a creator. Did you respond to that? And what about your conscience? God's put out outward witness and an inward witness in of you. And there are certain things that you say and do that your heart is condemned. When you were a teenager, you did some things that you knew were wrong and your heart condemned you. Did you respond to that? Look what he says here. Look in verse 17. And then God is good enough that he will send a preacher across your path. Now, it may happen to you in your mind accidentally. It may be because something happened and somebody came to your house or maybe you came to the church looking for help, but God sent a preacher across your path. It might be that somebody just knocked on your door. It could be that you fell into some kind of harm's way and maybe somebody's having mercy on you and said, you know what, you need to come with me to church. Why? Because it's God putting up a roadblock. Now watch, verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. You see that? Well, that the world through Him might be what? So does He want you to be saved? Oh, absolutely He does. Verse number 18. He that believeth on Him is not what? Condemned. Condemned. You're going to have to exercise some faith this morning in somebody you've never seen. And, And in the truth of the story that you've never, maybe never heard. And that is that God so loved you that He sent Jesus to die for you on the cross to bear your sin in His own body on the tree. If you would believe upon Him. Look at this. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not. Here's a warning. Is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Well, why in the world, if somebody was being warned, why wouldn't you respond? Verse 19 says, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And look at this. Why did so many people perish, Brother Scott, in the days of Noah? The Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And he said in verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. When the Lord begins to deal with you about your sinful condition, that is being reproved. God is not pleased with your sin. God will judge you and place you in hell for your sin. But he's also made a way for you to escape the judgment of God. As Noah began to build that ark, the Bible says, Jesus Christ today is that ark. If you would but step inside of him today and give him your heart, your life, repent of your sins and your evil deeds and give your heart to Jesus Christ, believe upon him as your Lord and Savior, then you have made preparation for the day of wrath. You have made preparation for the day of judgment which means that when the judgment day comes, you will be found in Christ Jesus. But some of you will love, like those in the days of Noah, you'll love what you're doing and you don't want anybody to mess with your life. And God said, okay, that's what you want. One day, according to Proverbs chapter number one, he says, I tried to help you. I tried to reach out to you. I tried to, I tried to, to help you and reach you and save you, but you would not hear what I had to say. And then the Bible says, there would come a time of when God would mock you and laugh at you. 
And when you would call upon him, he said, I'm not going to hear what you have to say because you wouldn't hear what I had to say. You see, God is not like McDonald's where you can just drive up anytime you want and demand what you want. God's not like that. God's going to be like that day that Mr. Knight was in the storm of Harvey over here just, just across the woods here. And when the water raged and got up so fast and so quickly, he and his wife and his granddaughter had to get up in the second story of their house and the window, and the water was continuing to rise, and he was shooting a gun out, but maybe somebody could hear him, and somebody happened to be passing by in a boat getting somebody else, and they heard the gun. And they moved over there in their pontoon boat up to that top story and got him and his family out and save them from drowning. But what if Mr. Knight said, I appreciate you stopping by here. I appreciate it, your effort, but we'll be fine. I got, I got another, I can at least get up on the roof, and this water's going to go down before it gets up on top of my house. I'll pass. That's exactly what you're doing, is when God bring somebody across your path and let you hear the gospel and you say no to it. You're saying no to God and there may not be another boat that comes by your house to save you. I believe if Mr. Knight had not gotten in that boat, they would have perished. And you just never know. But I know this. God warned Noah and Noah said, Yes, sir. You don't have to explain it all to me, Lord. I don't scientifically understand how you're going to do all of this. And I don't need to know. I just trust what you have to say. I'm getting my wood together and I'm starting to build. And I'm going to trust you over time to do exactly what you said. And by the way, Noah understood that God's way of saving his family was exclusive. There was no other way to save his family but God's way. And brother, if you didn't get in that ark, you perished. And if you don't get in Jesus, you'll perish. I'm telling you that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's stand together, please. You say, well, Brother Roger, how do I get in Jesus? Well, if you are here this morning and you've never been saved, born again, you know that you do not have a relationship with God. At the end of the book of Revelation, the Bible says, the Spirit says, come. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, you come. And if you'll call upon Him from your heart, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. And there's some people here who will work with you who will help you to, and, and show you some things in the Bible to help you to understand that. We've got time to, to help you. But you're going to have to want it. Do you want it? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. And the, the, the invitation is, if you'd like to be saved this morning, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you bow your knee? Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe upon Him from your heart that He is the Savior of this world. That you can't save yourself, but He'll save you. Father, in Jesus' name, would you please save that soul that is nearest hell who has received another warning from you. Lord, I pray they would respond to it by faith. In Jesus' name we pray.